Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, and Mike is out today. He's sick, he's under the weather, so shoot him a nice note on Twitter. We're at BobbyFantasyPro and at MikeTagliereNFL. We do have another Mike in, though. Michael Moore of Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore more. Michael, how's it going? Good. How are you, man? I'm doing great. There was a lot of injury news this week, but <laughs> you know what? B- besides that, there were some great games. It was a great week to watch football. Again, it's hard to quantify it that uh, this season has been better than others, but it feels like every week it's always been uh, uh, some shootout or some fantasy relevant game. So no, it's been fun so far. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm loving all this scoring. I mean, I understand that the rules aren't exactly where everyone <laughs> wants it to be, but I think that's the reason we're having so much scoring. And just all the great quarterbacks in the NFL, it's making it a blast. Like, really? Tom Brady might be like the fifth or sixth best quarterback <laughs> at this point in his career, which is crazy. Yeah, and it really is uh, reinforcing that narrative that quarterbacks quarterbacks don't matter as far as uh, your fantasy drafts go. Because you can get one much, much later. I mean, even Mahomes this year. I, I shudder to think where he was going before the season, and now he's just lighting it up. I wouldn't have drafted him in any league. Like a two-quarterback league, of course I would, but he was outside my top 12. I'm not drafting two quarterbacks, so forget it. Yeah, no, and look, there's there were other guys with a track record that I think you would have felt safer with before him. But uh, Of course, like like Matt Ryan, who's also crushing it. <laughs> right. I, know, <laughs> I mean, we're splitting hairs at this point. They've all been pretty good. So, uh, no, it's been fun, though. Can't we all agree just, like, why can't we make quarterback more important? Let's all go to two quarterback leagues and just make it more important. I will say my favorite leagues personally are definitely the two quarterback leagues. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll always have the, uh, the one quarterback leagues, but I mean, especially in those leagues, it's even trading. It's just so hard because everyone has one and seemingly nobody needs one. So if you have say two or three, you know, good to decent ones, you're pretty much stuck with them because you're not moving them. That's exactly right. So, Michael, here's the game plan for today. We're obviously going to talk about the waiver wire. This is the waiver wire show. We've got maybe 15 relevant guys to talk about, two of them that are great pickups, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. Obviously, they're injury-related. We're going to talk about the injury news first, and then at the end of the show, we will each share one buy-low guy and one sell-high guy for those of you looking to trade. Uh, before we get into the injury news, though, I want to say congratulations to Jeff from Florida, the winner of the Todd Gurley signed throwback Rams jersey. And uh, we've got another contest coming up. So if you already submitted an entry, you're already in for this next contest. But if you haven't yet and want to get in, we've got a signed Devontae Adams Green Bay Packers helmet. You can go check it out at fantasypros.com slash contest. One lucky listener is going to win this bad boy, and it takes about 30 seconds to sign up. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash contest. We got this from Pristine Auction. I'm not sure if you guys have been on Pristine Auction, but they have all kinds of stuff for your man cave, right? They've got hundreds of lots to end daily. Everything is guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. And you can find some really affordable prices, too. I mean, just listen to some of the stuff bought yesterday. A Michael Vick signed Falcons jersey, like old school, 58 bucks. A Michael Thomas signed Saints helmet, 55 bucks. There's values like this to be found every single day if you go check out pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. And don't forget to sign up for the signed Devontae Adams Green Bay Packers helmet giveaway at fantasypros.com slash contest. All right, now going on to injuries. Obviously, the biggest injury news is the breaking news that happened just before today's show. Jay Ajayi out for the season with a torn ACL. Michael, this is huge news, and it seems like a perfect landing spot for Le'Veon Bell. (laughs) You know, I hadn't thought about that, but uh, look, if there's any team that would do it, it would be Philadelphia. I mean, they have the 
roster to obviously compete after winning last year. Um, and, you know, it's not like they necessarily would have to commit long term. I mean, I don't think Le'Veon Bell would, would care because he's going to another winner. So uh, I hadn't thought about that. But I don't know, man. I, I think Wendell Smallwood can maybe handle this if he had to. Oh, you think it's Wendell Smallwood? I mean, if you just look at what he's done this year, he's actually forced uh, more missed tackles on average than Jay Jai did. I think he could handle it if he had to. Now, as we know, it's not like Philadelphia and Doug Peterson necessarily go with a bell cow, but uh, I think he could take a lot of snaps and be pretty efficient at it. Yeah, it'd be interesting if Le'Veon Bell did end up there. Like, what would Peterson do? Would he just keep using running back by committee? It would be extremely scary, I think, for everyone else, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it definitely would be. And he could play wide receiver, too. I was thinking it was going to be Corey Clement. Now, obviously, Josh Adams is going to be involved, too. I would expect Wendell Smallwood to be involved. Um, but this is interesting because I've got Corey Clement as my number one pickup. I'm assuming you have Wendell Smallwood as your number one? You know, it's one of those where, again, Peterson doesn't really favor one back or the other. I don't know. I mean, both are going to be, I think, good, but it's not necessarily they're going to be bell cow status. You know what I mean? I mean, especially PPR leagues, they're both going to have pretty good value. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would probably uh, personally go with Smallwood, but I, I can't really knock the, uh, the Clement uh, pickup either. So as a result, is this... I mean, you're going with Smallwood. You would probably add Clement as well. Would you spend like the number one waiver wire priority and how much fab would you spend to acquire one of these guys that you're not really sure is going to be that, that bell cow back? Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't know that I would go overboard because again, the offense just doesn't provide any consistency. You know what I mean? I mean, neither one of these guys is getting 20 carries a game from here on out. At best, they're going to be averaging 12 to 15 each game. So as far as fab money, I mean, it would definitely be my first pick because obviously it's a good offense, but you know, I'm not spending a whole lot. I wouldn't, I'm thinking 10 to 20%. What about you? That sounds about right to me because of the, uh, just the situation that they're going to go by committee. I mean, you look at week four and, and snap count, Smallwood actually played more snaps than Jay Ajayi, so he's been really involved. Corey Clement played zero. I'm just not sure that Smallwood is really your first and second down type of back. I mean, I guess we're about to find out. I want shares of both these guys. I'd be willing to spend 20% on Clement, maybe 10% on Smallwood if I get both of them. If I have the roster room to get both of them, that'd be awesome. Do you think that there's any chance, though, that this backfield just turns over to Josh Adams and he becomes the guy? Because he looked really good in the preseason. Oh, I think so. And look, I, I I give Doug Peterson a lot of credit. He's definitely not one of those traditional coaches that, you know, is going to go to the veteran or the guy that paid their due. I mean, he's fairly forward thinking slash innovative, I think, when it comes to game plan. So if Josh Adams is lighting it up, I, I don't put it past Peterson to uh, uh, to put him out there more. OK, so the other injury news, there were two injuries with the Rams, Cooper Cup concussion, Brandon Cooks concussion. I mean, based on what you're hearing right now, are you expecting these guys just to come back or either of these a long term issue? Uh, would you pull up, you know, their backup wide receiver, whoever it is, and get him just in case? You know, I, I will say this. The Braden Cooks one, I think, uh, would concern me more only because he's been there before, right? I mean, we remember the pretty big hit he took in the Super Bowl. And look, he got rocked yesterday. For those of you that didn't see it, I mean, it was a pretty, a pretty scary hit on him. So the Seahawks, they're so physical. I mean, that <laughs> right. entire game, they were just, I cannot believe how physical they play. I mean, it, it's, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a surprise that they knocked two receivers out, but it's kind of not. So, um, but uh, either way, I mean, I would definitely take their backups. I mean, I'm not quite sure. Uh, you know, who's going to uh, take the lead on that? All I know is I want all the Robert Woods at this point. 
So Yes, right? <laughs> I mean, look, he's proven to be – and look, he didn't have uh, the greatest track record in Buffalo. But again, what receiver like did, uh, you know, when they were in Buffalo – uh, but now that he's in the Rams offense and proven to be, you know, at least at this point, not only the healthiest, but one of the more reliable ones, even more so than maybe uh, Cup or Cooks. Yeah, I think Robert Woods is a fringe wide receiver one going forward. Wow. I, I mean, I think so as well. I'm surprised to hear anybody else say it. But you look at what he did before he got hurt last season and he was right on the fringe then. Um, they've got Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup, but all three of these guys are playing 97, 97, 98 percent of the snaps. Those are three of the top six in football in terms of snap count percentage. So if any of them misses time, I would expect Josh Reynolds to be plugged right in and be useful, but not like an automatic start, like a maybe flex play. So I'd maybe spend one fab dollar on him, but probably not any. I would just take him if he gets to me. Right, and it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, when all three of those receivers are healthy, meaning Cup, Cooks, and Woods, I'm not touching any Rams tight end. But at this point, uh, I may look at it. I may, you know, it's possible that McVay uses those guys more just because they've obviously got more familiarity with the offense that they've been in there more. But as soon as those guys come back, meaning Cooks and Cup, yeah, I, I'm I'm off using a Rams tight end, and I'm going back. That makes sense. Or they can just give the ball to Todd Gurley 40 times a game. <laughs> I mean, look, he scores three touchdowns a game, apparently, when there's no receivers left. So I'm I'm all for it. It wasn't the greatest game either. He went 22 for 77 yards. And you look at Jared Goff's stat line, one touchdown, two interceptions. It looks pedestrian. I went back and watched that game, and he looked incredible again. Yeah. I mean, and look, it's one of those where if that's a worst-case scenario for Jared Goff week in and week out, okay. Like, literally, that's rock bottom for Jared Goff this season, and I'll take it. Meaning uh, the floor is so much higher than other quarterbacks uh, that I will take that and have the ceiling go as high as it can go. Honest question, would you rather have him than Russell Wilson rest of the season? Uh, Yeah, I would. I think so, too. It's not even like a, a, a question. It's not even that close to me at this point because, look, they've got the Rams, and that offense is just humming along. Obviously, I trust uh, Sean McVay, I think, at this point, uh, more than whoever is calling the, the, the plays in Seattle, whether it's Schottenheimer or whomsoever. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's even close at this point for me. He's the best. Everyone has to be kicking themselves that they didn't think of doing that sooner. <laughs> right. Going out and hiring McVay. Yeah. <laughs> the NFL is a copycat league. Uh, we all know that. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a couple more guys in that McVay mold, meaning kind of younger, really an offensive whiz type uh, that are going to be hired this offseason. I mean, look, Lincoln Riley's a name from Oklahoma that we hear a lot that I don't know how he's going to be able to turn down two or three of the job offers that are probably going to go his way. I think that's fair. Uh, Now, the other injury news before we move on over to the waiver wire all the way is Matt Breida out with an ankle injury, and we actually don't know if he's going to miss any time. He's getting an MRI, and we expect to hear back about that uh, shortly. Either way, I would expect one or two weeks missed, and this could be a long-term thing. So Alfred Morris is my number two pickup behind Corey Clement this week. Is that where you're going as well? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a pickup. Uh, (laughs) um, And look, Morris has done pretty well in the limited time. I mean, look, his yards per carry is not going to show that, but uh, for example, his Yards effort contact per attempt is actually 19th out of 57 qualifying running backs. He's only forced uh, six missed tackles, but again, that what that means is his offensive line is is not doing great, uh, but look, he's making the most of it, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. And look, if Breda is out a long time, I just don't see any other back on that roster that's going to challenge Morris there. Now, I think the thing to be careful with Morris on is, look, I'm a 49er fan, but as soon as the Jimmy G injury happened, I'm not going to say the season was over, but it was pretty close. So 
you know, I, I don't know how many games are necessarily going to be ahead or or in contention. So that that would be my concern with Morris is they're not going to be in a lot of situations where they want or need to run the ball, right? Meaning they're going to be behind a lot. They're going to be playing catch up a lot. Um, that would be my concern with Morris. I mean, should he be picked up? Yes, absolutely. But I, I don't know that it's going to be a, a game changer for, for a lot of fantasy teams. I think this is going to be one of those situations where if he goes out, if Matt Breed is out, you know, six, seven weeks, which we don't know yet. I think it's kind of up in the air. It seemed like a, a legitimate ankle issue or not just a minor sprain or anything like that. So what I think is going to happen is they're going to go out there and they're going to pick up Orleans Darkwa or they're going to pick up a Jamal Charles or Eddie Lacy or DeMarco oh, Murray, God. one of these guys, and it's going to be a disgusting <laughs> situation. So for next week, yeah, I'm all about Alfred Morris. And because of that, I'd be willing to spend eight, ten fab bucks because I think he's going to get 20 touches. Carlos Hyde was an RB1 in this offense last year with Jimmy G only playing five games. So I think Morris can get it done with, with that kind of workload. I just don't know if it's going to last. Right. Well, I will say the silver lining, too, is it's not like the 49ers have any you know, young running backs they drafted that they want to kind of see what they have. Look, they signed Jarek McKinnon. We saw how that worked out. They had Brader from last year. Now he's injured. It's not like they've got some, you know, a young rookie that they want to throw out there and see what they got. So I think uh, they're probably okay with Morris uh, kind of sticking in there and kind of taking the carries and then just, uh, um, I don't want to say they're in a hurry to get this season over, but it's uh, it could get to that point pretty quickly. Yeah, I think so as well. And it would be nice for the 49ers to have a nice high pick. Maybe they can go out and get themselves a uh, a dominant wide receiver to pair with Jimmy G for a long time. I really wish they would. I wish they would have I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I was the biggest Pierre Garçon homer. I love Dante Pettis, but they just don't have that kind of alpha elite receiver type uh, on the roster right now, you know, so, and they need something, they need something uh, to take the attention away from apparently uh, this, the best tight end, this side of Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle. All right. So we've already talked about a couple waiver wire guys, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, Alfred Morris. Um, We even talked about Josh Reynolds. Let's go to the running back position. Ronald Jones is sitting out there. Latavius Murray with Dalvin Cook, maybe missing more time. Mike Davis kept getting work and look good. Deontay Foreman might end up being the starting running back before long. He's supposed to come back week seven. Of all these guys, is there one that you like right up there with Smallwood, Clement Morris? You know, I'll say I think the one that is going to go most under the radar this week, therefore probably the most likely you can get for fairly cheap, is probably Ronald Jones. You know, hasn't done a whole lot, but that job is wide open. And nobody there in Tampa has taken the lead on that. Peyton Barber, uh, Jaquiz Rogers is who he is. They're just... Nobody there. So I think for a guy like Ronald Jones, who admittedly has not seen a whole lot of action, um, I think the opportunity is there. As far as Seattle goes, I don't trust anything there that anyone says uh, on the coaching staff there. I mean, you can't trust it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I was a big Chris Carson fan going into the season, but at the same time, you can't rely on anything they say or do there. I mean, they could wake up Sunday morning and go, you know what, I think we'll just throw Rashad Penny out there for 25 carries. If if I had Chris Carson or Mike Davis, I would never start them unless <laughs> right. like, everyone else gets injured. Because right. I, I don't know what to expect. Right. Uh, you really don't. And, and, you know, it's not the greatest uh, uh, situation for fantasy teams. It may work for Pete Carroll. You know, they may keep opposing defenses on their toes with that strategy. But, yeah, I, I just – it would make me very nervous if I had to uh, rely on either one of those guys. With Ronald Jones, I think that it is likely that he will be the starting running back within three weeks. 
I wouldn't be surprised at all if it happens this week if they just haven't told us yet. Because when they went out there in the second half and Winston started, Ronald Jones was right alongside him, same in the preseason. Sometimes these teams just want rookie running backs to sit out a few weeks and learn the playbook a little more, and then they throw them in there. I don't think Jones is the most talented rookie running back. Uh, In fact, if he was on the Broncos, he'd be the third most talented rookie on that team. But it's not a good situation behind the offensive line. But a team that's going to put up a lot of points. They've got a lot of weapons. And I think Ronald Jones is going to end up being the starter. So, yeah, grab him now while he costs three, four fat bucks instead of when he costs 50 in two weeks. (laughs) Right. Well, and and look. Tampa has shown they're not afraid to uh, make a tough decision. What I mean by that is, look, they went over to Jameis Winston after Ryan Fitzpatrick like lit the league on fire, right? I mean, he was going nuts. And again, there's obviously a lot of other factors with that, but that wasn't, I think, the easiest move to make, especially after the three weeks Fitzpatrick put up. So I say all that to say, it would. It, I don't think it's beyond Tampa to make that move. And look, it's not like Peyton Barber or Jacquez Rogers, like I said, are putting up much of a fight. I think that job is wide open. And look, they drafted Jones in the second round. They obviously liked him going in. So uh, short of him just completely, you know, screwing up that opportunity, uh, I agree with you. I think he could be the starter in three weeks or less. They should have drafted an offensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, and they could have. Or a defense. Uh, they could have, yeah. Uh, look, that team has got – it's so frustrating, that team, too, because they have some studs on that team. But they just – I don't know if it's the depth or what. But uh, And maybe it's maybe it's a coaching problem. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. No, I, I'm with you there. I think Ronald Jones is, uh, is the play there long term. So I agree. I've got the, the same top four as you. Maybe not in the same order, but right after them is Latavius Murray. I think you can use him for one more week, and who knows what's going to happen with Dalvin Cook. Maybe they shut him down long term. He's just not right. There's a reason that he's not playing right now. And Murray, we've seen him in this offense. He was very good last year with Jarek McKinnon there when Dalvin Cook was gone. McKinnon is gone. Right. And, you know, they've got Mike Boone and they've got Rock Thomas, but this is Latavius Murray's backfield. And I expect him to be startable every single week that Dalvin Cook is out. So I wouldn't mind spending two or three fab bucks on him as well. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Look, that is a good offense. And I want, you know, the starting running back of that offense. I mean, is he going to be, again, a bell cow? Probably not. And look, did he get vultured this weekend? Yeah, he did. But um, that doesn't mean that he's not going to have some value there, uh, especially in that offense. And look, once that offense gets going and, and there's going to be easier weeks, they're going to be up a lot. They're going to be, you know, wanting to run the ball. Uh, yeah, I think Murray will uh, will be just fine. And I agree with you about Cook. It's getting to the point now where uh, he's a walking injury case. You know, it's like him and Fournette uh, are very sensitive uh, as far as getting an injury. So I, I would definitely want whoever their backup is uh, on speed dial. What do you do with these guys? I mean, if you have Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette, do you trade them for pennies? I I wouldn't do that. I think it's a very good, valuable lottery ticket to have. Meaning, look, I'm not saying that uh, you should jump ship. I think you should keep them. Because, look, there are going to be those weeks when they are healthy, and you do want them. And they are going to be better options than uh, most other players at that position are. But at the same time, I would much rather keep those guys as a lottery ticket than having to kind of scrape the barrel and get guys that you know may get only 10, 12 carries a game. If I'm sitting at 4-1 and one or 5-0, and oh, I'm calling those owners right now and I'm saying, okay, what do you want for these guys? Because, I, I mean, I would expect them to be healthy during the playoffs. And if they are, you've got top 10 running backs. Um, if you're one of these teams that's got four or five starting running backs, package two of them because teams are desperate out there, especially the Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook owners who are like, well, I expected these guys to help me and they're, they're killing me. Right. Right. And look, 
These injuries, while they are serious, are not torn ACLs. They're not season enders. So they're, they're going to come back at some point. It's just kind of a guessing game win. But I agree with you. I mean, these guys can potentially help you win your championship when the time comes. So if there's a deal out there to be made uh, for two you know, mid-level guys in exchange for one of these guys, yeah, I agree with you. I would do it all day. We've got the Houston situation as well where Lamar Miller is banged up. Alfred Blue had to get 20 carries the other night, and he's not very good. I, I I would not tell anyone to pick up Alfred Blue, even if he was starting and we knew Lamar Miller was out. I think Deontay Foreman, I, it depends on what he looks like, because when you come back from an Achilles tear, you're a different running back usually, but he was so good last year at the end of the season, it seemed inevitable that he was going to steal this job from Miller. He took a little while to recover. Apparently, he's going to be back week seven. Do you think that you pick him up and stash him right now? I think if there's ever a time to do it, yeah, it would be now. Now, I wouldn't spend more than the absolute minimum, you know, because, I mean, look, an Achilles injury, which is what he had, is a serious injury. I mean, it's not a torn ACL, but it's pretty bad. And, you know, the track record for guys coming back from that is not great. So there's still a risk that he's not going to uh, come all the way back. Or at the very least, there's a high probability he could uh, re-aggravate it. So, again, I wouldn't spend a lot, but I agree with you that, you know, getting anyone on that offense, especially along with Watson and Hopkins, uh, is going to be valuable. And I agree. Alfred Blue, no. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Is it possible he maybe plays the maybe the receiving back role, especially if Foreman kind of struggles to get back? Yeah, I could see that. And look, he did it last night. I mean, he had a ton of catches last night. But um, as far as, you know, is he a viable starter for you? No, I don't think so. Yep, I agree. And same with uh, people have been asking about Frank Gore, who's apparently the starting running back in Miami now, and LeGarrette Blunt, who had two touchdowns on like four carries and five yards. No on either of them. You would never, ever in your wildest dreams feel comfortable starting them. So why would you own them? Right. And I agree with you. Now, I have maybe different feelings on Gore. And let me preface that. Let's get Blunt out of the way. Uh, no, that's not happening. Why that's still a thing, I don't even know. I mean, unless Patricia is just trying to do like his best Belichick impression and throw him out there, I don't get it. But literally, I mean, him, uh, Blunt, and Carrion Johnson have about the same carries. Johnson has like two and a half the times of yards as Blunt does on the season. I mean, it's like gross. Blunt isn't even averaging, I think, like two yards a carry. It's like 1.8. Why he's still being thrown out there, I don't really know. But so uh, that is not happening. Now, with Gore, and again, it seems odd, he's not doing bad. Now, I agree with you. It's a situation to avoid because much like Seattle, you don't know who to trust there as far as the running game goes. You know, you just don't. I mean, Gore and Drake, uh, we weren't quite sure what the split was going to be. We all, I, Look, myself included, thought Drake was going to see a lot more action than he has, but it just hasn't happened. So at this point, I don't know what to believe. I don't know who to believe there. So yeah, I'm avoiding that. Now, do I think the better back of those two between Gore and Drake is probably Gore at this point? Yeah, I do. And again, that's not based on talent or skill. It's just based on the coaching staff's apparent love of Frank Gore because uh, he's not going away. And look, he's been passable. It's so stupid. It, no, and I agree. And But he's been <laughs> passable to this point. Um, so I don't think he's been playing bad enough that the coaching staff has to do something. I think he's playing just good enough to where they go, okay, we'll throw you out there and we'll keep you out there. 
Sure, and Drake's been used in the passing game too, but not enough that I would be able to warrant starting either of these guys. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. I just wish they would give the ball to Kenyon Drake and let's see what we've got. We all do, believe me, but it seems like neither one of them are going to see more than a dozen carries in any game this season. All right, let's move on over to wide receiver, and there's there's a handful of guys, uh, actually eight guys, ten guys that I would be comfortable picking up if you need a wide receiver. Of this list, who is your top wide receiver? Oh, see, and that's tough, but... It's really tough because they're all like the same, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I will say there's not necessarily one that sticks out. There are a couple, though. So, uh, for example, Mohamed Sanu has never, I think, gotten enough respect, especially since he's been with Atlanta. But, I mean, he's on target for over 100 targets this season. And I think that offense can support it, even with Ridley coming on, who I think is also still going to be very good. So Agree. Um, I think Sanu is up there for me. You know, I think Robbie Anderson will get a lot of play this week. I don't know. What do you think? I'm not so much a fan. I mean, I think he's just so boomer bust at this point. And look, he was last year, but there wasn't a Quincy Anunwa to kind of uh, keep him down. You know what I mean? Now there is. And look, I don't think uh, this injury this week with Anunwa is going to hamper that. I think he's still the number one guy there. So I'm not buying into uh, Robbie Anderson, at least not yet. I'm not buying into Robbie Anderson either. Like, if you need a lottery ticket flex play who can get a big catch, yeah, that's a great pick. I, I Nobody expected Quincy Nunwa to do anything against his matchup. I don't remember who he was being shadowed by, but it was someone that you just avoid. Everyone was saying, sit Quincy Nunwa, and we were right. Right, that, and he had it, apparently an injury that nobody knew about till after. So, um, yeah, I, but apparently it's not serious. But, yeah, Robbie Anderson, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too uh, high on that. Let's talk about Christian Kirk, because I may be in the minority in this. I'm not sold on him yet. I mean, yes, he had the big play yesterday, and look, that's a great start. But beyond that 75-yard touchdown, he had two receptions for 10 yards. That's it. That's not going to cut it. <laughs> no, it's not. So, look, unless you could guarantee me he's going to have a 75-yard bomb every week, I I'm not seeing it yet. Yeah, I don't know. I Christian Kirk is 10th on my list of wide receivers, and it's more of a future play. Like, if I pick up Christian Kirk, I'm not interested in starting him right away. I want to see what we have with Josh Rosen. He hasn't looked great yet. San Francisco's not a tough matchup. <laughs> made it seem tough because Rosen played pretty bad. But the first week, he actually played good. Uh, his stats just didn't really look that great. I think Rosen's going to be okay. And as a result, I think he can support one wide receiver. Now, is it going to be Fitzgerald or is it going to be Christian Kirk? Or maybe it's just Ricky Seals-Jones. Or maybe they just passed to David Johnson. But uh, I'm fine with adding Christian Kirk if you've got a deep bench. Let it play out, see what you have, and worst case scenario, you drop someone. Right, I, I agree. I think only in a deep bench scenario do you uh, do you stash him. Because, look, Fitzgerald is still there. I believe Chad Williams led the team in targets yesterday. So, um, yeah, I mean, that would be a guy, honestly, I might look at uh, first, at least for this week. But um, beyond that, uh, you know what? I, and again, I may be in the minority of this. I'm okay with Chester Rogers, I think, at this point. I know he's seen some inflated stats with T.Y. out, but there's just not another receiver there kind of taking the reins. I mean, look, Ryan Grant's had a good couple of weeks, but I really – I'm okay with Chester Rogers at this point. I mean, T.Y. Hilton has kind of been banged up, not just recently, but the last couple of years, I'd say. Um, and look, if that offense can can get to the uh, at least close to a level that it was, it can support two receivers, no problem. Now, look, Eric Ebron is having a renaissance there, and, and I think he definitely should be owned at this point. But um, I think if you're looking for kind of a stopgap, I think Chester Rogers 
uh, is a decent option. And I think he'll be fairly cheap on the waiver wire this week. Andrew Luck right now is on pace for 784 pass attempts, 38 touchdowns, 4,770 yards. I think he can support two wide receivers, even if T.Y. Hilton does get healthy. I think it's Grant uh, over Chester Rogers. I mean, I'm not especially excited about either of them. Uh, but I want to go back to Christian Kirk and Mohamed Sanu really quick. Over the past three weeks, since Josh Rosen started getting involved, Christian Kirk leads the team with 14 receptions. Larry Fitzgerald has seven. Chad Williams has four. I think he is the number one there, but we have to see what happens with Larry Fitzgerald's health. Now, Mohamed Sanu... He has more targets than Calvin Ridley this year. He's got 30. Calvin Ridley has 26. I think Ridley is the more talented player. But, I mean, I think this is kind of like Green Bay's offense where you want to own three wide receivers. And maybe you won't play Mohamed Sanu every single week. But with injuries and buys, I think he's a passable flex play. Oh, definitely. And look, he has been. He's just literally played in the shadow of Julio Jones these last couple of years. Um, but look, that offense is off to a great start, even if the team itself isn't. But uh, yeah, I think they can support uh, three receivers there. And look, that's not to take away from Ridley. I think Ridley's still going to be very good, and I think he's going to score a lot. But uh, look, they can easily support three receivers. And look, Austin Hooper, which I know we'll get to tight ends in a little bit. I mean, he's been doing decent too. Now, it may not be as good as he did this last week with his <laughs> with his 12 targets, but uh, he's still a viable option. I think so as well. Um, I actually don't have any of these guys in my top three that we've talked about. I've got Robbie Anderson at number four as that kind of lottery ticket guy. Mohamed Sanu, number five. I've got Ryan Grant down at eight. Christian Kirk at 10. I've got Chester Rogers at 12 with Cortland Sutton in between. We don't really need to talk about Sutton. He's kind of like Christian Kirk, but less because he's the number three receiver. More talented, uh, but Case Keenum's throwing passes, so I don't think you can support three wide receivers. My number one is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And I understand that Randall Cobb is going to be coming back. Geronimo Allison's going to be coming back. But Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's 6'4". He ran a 4'3", 40-yard dash. Huge broad jump. He's got a huge wingspan. And I think that Randall Cobb has played bad enough that Valdez-Scantling could play himself into a sizable role. He's not going to pass Geronimo Allison. Maybe he's going to be uh, useful for one more week. But this is a long-term play. I think he's going to be the number three wide receiver the rest of the season for Aaron Rodgers who I would bet is going to finish the year as the number one fantasy quarterback. You can say what you want about Mahomes, Matt Ryan, all these guys. I still think it's Aaron Rodgers. I want three of his receivers, and so I'm adding Valdez-Scantling now. I'm not spending more than two bucks on him, but uh, he's my number one receiver. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And look, he looked good this week, you know, uh, and, and it seems like the the Packers receiving core is just uh, really banged up. I mean, obviously you had Allison, you had Cobb. But even Devontae Adams was fighting injury this week, too, you know. So it's – but I agree. I, that offense, much like the Falcons we were just talking about, can easily support more than one receiver. And, uh, look, it, it now's the time to get in on that because once he uh, once he has another good game or two, it's going to be too expensive for you. What do you think about Kiki QT? Because I know Will Fuller's there, DeAndre Hopkins is there, and Deshaun Watson's great, but he's no Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if he can support three, but here's the thing. I went back and I watched the tape. Kiki QT looks like a better receiver than Will Fuller. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to phase out Will Fuller, but what do we do here? Right. No, I agree. I, I, I love him. I look, I don't know how many leagues he's going to be still available in, especially after last week when he had 75% of leagues right now. Wow. 
Really? Isn't that amazing? That, yeah, that surprises me because, I mean, he had a huge week last week. Yeah, we were all, t- he had 16 targets in his first <laughs> right. NFL game, 11 receptions. Like, we were begging people to pick him up. Right. So, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no, pick him up. That would, that would be my, yeah. <laughs> that actually would be my top guy, quite honestly. Um, and look, they don't have a, a tight end right now that is going to threaten anything there. Um, we just talked about the running backs. There's not a, a running back there that I think strikes a lot of fear in anyone. Um, look, it's very possible he ends up as Watson's number two target by the end of the season. And look, that offense can support two receivers. I mean, and we saw it last week. I mean, look, Hopkins is still going to get his. and it's. I'm not saying that anything's going to take away from that. But uh, as far as a number two guy, look, uh, I think it's very possible Kuti uh, does that. So, yeah, if he's available, he would be my number one guy. If Kiki QT is available and Quincy Anunua, who's just 52% owned, Geronimo Allison, 54% owned, let's say those are the top three on your waiver wire. Are you still picking up QT over those guys? You know, that's hard. Uh, I may not over Anunua, only because I think Anunua is a true uh, top target there. But 27, 28% target share. Lock it in. Yeah, I think Anunua is the guy to own there. But uh, beyond that, no, Kiki's, he's, Pretty good. Uh, no, I would uh, I would rate him pretty highly on that. I think I'd rather own Geronimo Allison than QT, but he's right up there. Um, so I've got, you know, I'm spending two bucks on him. And the reason why, like he's a quality player, but there's so many quality receivers. I don't want to spend any money on these guys, right? Um, because if I don't get him, so what? I pick up the guy who's right behind him. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I don't know. It would be a good conversation to have on who is more likely to uh, – cost more, I guess, this week, Allison or Kuti. But um, no, it, it, all things being equal, um, I could see uh, getting Allison first. Obviously, he's in uh, a more conducive offense to his fantasy stats. To me, I just like the uh, the big play of Kuti. I think he could go you know, off for a long bomb at any time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, my number three, D.D. Westbrook. I actually like him more than Keelan Cole. I was a big Keelan Cole fanboy all preseason until Marquise Lee got, went out because then I thought D.D. Westbrook is going to be the guy who gets all the targets here because that's who he is. He's a target machine. He's a run-after-the-catch absolute monster, and he's led the team in targets, receiving yards, receptions. Actually, Dante Moncrief might have passed him up in targets because he had like 16 this past week when Blake Bortles threw the ball 60 times. Um, but regardless, D.D. Westbrook is being utilized quite a bit. Say what you want about Blake Bortles. He was awful. But you know what? He was also a top five fantasy quarterback this past week. And because of that, he's been the number one fantasy quarterback over an 11 game sample size. So, I mean, I, I, I'm fine with playing D.D. Westbrook each and every week. Oh yeah. No, I agree with that. I, and I would definitely take him over Moncrief. Um, I think he's been way more consistent. Moncrief, Again, just has a lot of that boomer bust. It's kind of Robbie Anderson-esque for me. You know, I mean, look. Yeah, he's got 482 air yards, which by far leads the team. (laughs) Right. And there's just some weeks he could see two catches or one catch, but at the same time have a big week like he did yesterday. Whereas I think Westbrook is definitely uh, more consistently part of the game plan there. And look, I think on a talent level, skill-wise, I think Westbrook's the best one. I agree with you over Cole, over Moncrief. Now, as far as... You know, are they able to work him in on that game script with, you know, whatever it is Bortles is doing? Uh, Hopefully. But, uh, no, I agree. If Westbrook is available, uh, he would be very highly rated for me, too. You know, I think all three of these guys are actually very talented. We don't know because they're playing on the Jags. Like, I mean, (laughs) remember, he they had Allen Robinson and Blake Bortles was still Blake Bortles. I really think that these guys are kind of like the Detroit Lions wide receiver core, just the light version. Like Dante Moncrief is the Kenny Galladay light. 
D.D. Westbrook is the Golden Tate light. Keelan Cole is the Marvin Jones light. We just aren't ever going to know what these guys are because of Blake Bortles. You could run any of the three out there in your flex any week and not feel good about it, but it's not the worst-case scenario. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, neither one of these guys is going to win you a championship, but are there weeks where they could be your flex that they see you know, literally 10 catches for 150? Absolutely, and I agree with you. We're not going to know. Uh, unfortunately, what this offense is capable of with Bortles there. I mean, it, you just see some of the passes he makes, and you're going, what are you doing? Like, why? Can we please get rid of him? <laughs> right. I mean, I feel like I'm going back and forth every week. He was a good start last week. I'm not taking that back. It, it worked out. But, like, as a Jags fan, can we just get rid of Blake Bortles, please? You know, and it's such a disparity between fantasy and real life, you know, because, look, real life, I mean, especially, like, the first half of these games – it's just not happening. And then, look, he cleans up in the second half because they're down 30 points. So, of course, he's dumping it off. Yeah, he's the garbage time machine. Can we just give me Cody Kessler? I can't believe I'm saying that. But seriously, just let him start. Fantasy aside, you just wonder, why didn't they draft Lamar Jackson? Why didn't they trade for Teddy Bridgewater? You just It just baffles you sometimes. But anyway. It is sad. I've got uh, D.D. Westbrook as number three on this list. Dante Moncrief at six. Uh, the only other guys I wanted to mention, Taylor Gabriel. He just had a ton of targets. I don't think Trubisky is going to put up six touchdowns every game. But it's someone to monitor with Anthony Miller being out for a while. Josh Reynolds we mentioned. Uh, Des Bryant's probably not going to sign soon, but you could pick him up if you've got a lot of uh, bench room. Rashad Higgins caught a pass. I think he's better than Antonio Callaway right now. And then David Moore scored two touchdowns. This is someone I loved in the preseason. I wasn't telling anyone to draft him because obviously he was buried on the depth chart. But if he continues to get on the field, I think this is an excellent receiver. Well, and it's one of those situations where it's not like the the receivers ahead of him are are locks. You know, I mean, that competition's wide open. And especially for a team like Seattle, who, again, is probably going to be behind a lot, probably going to be passing a lot, it, they probably could support more than one receiver there. And with Doug Baldwin just not looking right yet, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. But uh, back real quick, though, uh, Bobby, you mentioned Richard Higgins. I like Richard Higgins. I would put him up there. Uh, as one of my better picks. And I agree with you about uh, currently being better than Callaway. There's just so many questions and red flags with Callaway there. And look, I think now that Baker Mayfield has been sort of installed as the starter there, that offense can be really good. You know, I mean, look, Jarvis Landry's the top dog. There. I'm not I'm not going to say otherwise. But beyond that, I, I think Higgins could carve out a pretty decent role there. I mean, as far as the number of uh, – I, I looked this up before – the percentage of dropped passes by a quarterback, Baker Mayfield leads the league so far. 10% of his passes have been dropped so far by receivers. And I think there's a real opening there because Mayfield is really accurate. He's really good. And I think they could support uh, uh, more than one receiver besides Landry there. So I think Higgins. I, I know they only put up 12 points, but Baker Mayfield looked incredible. I think he made the best of a tough situation. And I think as the season goes on and he gets even more comfortable, I think it's just going to get better. And, yeah, I, I, look, Gordon's out of town now. Uh, Callaway, I mean, he could go at any point. I mean, it seems like they now have their new Josh Gordon. He could be suspended at any point, and, like, none of us would be surprised. <laughs> so I think Higgins could uh, get in there uh, uh, no problem. And I think he could be uh, pretty decent there. All right, let's talk some tight ends. And for me, this list starts with Cameron Brait, who was the number four fantasy tight end in the seven games he started for the Bucks last year. Jameis Winston loves him. They've got a great matchup against Atlanta. So not only is he an incredible streamer, but as long as O.J. Howard is out, I'm playing Cameron Brait as a top 10 tight end every single week. 
Uh, yeah, and it's funny. I think you and me and Mike talked about this uh, before the season. I was a big Cameron Brait stand before the season. Um, I thought he was going to do really well. Didn't get off to the greatest start, but again, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick, and nobody knew what was going on there. So, uh, <laughs> But last year with Winston, he was a top-10 fantasy tight end. I mean, he, th- there's no doubt about it. And Winston's back, obviously. Uh, he's not competing with Howard, like you mentioned. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Bray is uh, uh, an excellent option, and he's not going to be owned anywhere. That's the thing. He he had a horrible first two weeks. I don't think caught any passes. So I, I have no doubt his, his available rate is probably like 90% or something in most leagues right now. Yeah, he's available, and uh, right now he's available in 70% of leagues. Just yesterday, it was 88%, I believe. And so a lot of people are in these leagues where you don't have, you know, just constant waiver wire pickups whenever you want. And that's why he was picked up in so many leagues. But yeah, if he's out there, he's the best tight end by far. Now, what if Jack Doyle's out there? Because I know Eric Ebron is cleaning up right now. He probably won this job. But we've seen Andrew Luck, like I mentioned, 770 pass attempts. He's on pace for. I think he can support two pass catching tight ends like Ebron and Doyle. Do you agree? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Look, they they did it in the past. I mean, I, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility. And look, you you touched on a point where he's going to be available. Uh, meaning, you know, the injury has really made people forget about him. So he's going to be available in a lot of leagues. And look, that offense, at least the passing side of things, is doing very well. And like you alluded to, they're putting up gaudy numbers. So yeah, I think they definitely could support that, especially because again, they just don't have any other receiver besides Ty that's really claiming that job. I'd rather own Doyle than Benjamin Watson or Austin Hooper. I know he had a lot of targets, but, I mean, we're talking about Austin Hooper here. I don't think that's going to keep up. Well, yeah, I agree. And, look, this past week he had 12 targets. That completely skews what he's had so far. Every other week he's had two, four, five, and four targets. So, yeah, no, that that's not a thing. There's a couple other guys I want to mention. O.J. Howard, when he comes back, I mean, I think he's ownable. Do you pick him up now and just stash him? Can you afford to have two tight ends on your roster? You know, I don't know, man. you got to have some pretty deep rosters at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't drop Evan Ingram. Right. I mean, I'm in, for example, my home league, I think, has 15 uh, roster spots. I probably wouldn't be doing that in that case, but if you've got a maybe 16 to 18 uh, roster limit, then then that's a possibility. But yeah, if you're on a medium to, to low uh, roster size, then no, I probably would. Hey, by the way, Greg Olson says that he's coming back for week six. He's going to have to have surgery at the end of the season. I don't know if this means like he thinks he can play like last year and he just can't play. I have no idea what's going to happen. Obviously, if you own him, you're not dropping him, but can you actually play him in week six? I mean, if you're desperate, I guess, uh, you probably could. And look, some people are going to be. I mean, there's a lot of injuries. Obviously, bye weeks are going to start ramping up. But yeah, I don't know. Under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't. But if you're desperate, I, I you know, I, I think there's probably some uh, worse choices than that, but definitely not many. Where Where would you rank him for the rest of the season? Is he still a top 12 tight end? Oh, man. It, tight ends are so hard, man. I mean, after the elite ones, it's kind of a, a crapshoot after that. So, yeah, I, look, it's capable. He's definitely done it before, obviously. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's just so random, I guess, is the word I'm looking for after the first couple. That If you're desperate and he's only the only one available, then maybe. But beyond that, I probably would pass. Yeah. I mean, I've, right now I see 15 guys who are actually worth owning at the tight end position. And Olsen is one of them. But if I own him... I would rather just have him and Cameron Brayton. I think you can afford to do that. 
Um, just because you could get a great, you're going to get a great tight end out of Bray while OJ Howard's out, especially against Atlanta. And Greg Olson, I mean, remember, he was being drafted like 60th, 70th overall. This is somebody that if he's healthy, he can be really good. He can be the tight end four. He could be. Um, I just, I'm worried that people are going to take him at his absolute ceiling at this point, you know, and they're going to remember how he was as opposed to what he is, which, Look, even the games going into his injury, it's not like he was lighting it up. I mean, he had a very good playoff game last season, but beyond that, it just didn't look like the same Greg Olson, you know. And I think he's been gone long enough that the Panthers' offense has kind of, I don't want to say moved on, but kind of evolved without him. You know, you've got McCaffrey. uh, You obviously got guys like Funchess and uh, even Curtis Samuels scoring touchdowns now. You know, so, yeah, I, I would. it's very risky. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you've got the bench space, maybe, but I, I definitely wouldn't be relying on him uh, when he comes back. Now, let's say all these guys are owned and you're desperate at tight end. you got to pick somebody up. Maybe your guy's on a bye this week. You have Benjamin Watson or, or one of these other guys. Who are you picking up? Is it C.J. Zuma? Maybe Nick Vanette against Oakland? You know, I'd probably lean more towards Vanette uh, than any Bengals tight end just because I kind of want to see who the starter is going to be there. First, right? I mean, look, and we should have seen this coming. Tyler Eifert cannot stay healthy to save his life. He just can't, you know, and I think people need to accept that. But after that, we just, we don't know which tight end is kind of the man there, you know. So I would, at least through this week anyway, go Vanette. And again, it goes back to what we mentioned before, which is that job is wide open, you know, as far as uh, who's catching the ball there. And they're going to be throwing it a lot, make no mistake. So uh, I'd probably lean Vanette in that in that case. I mean, we touched on Hooper. I think the 12 targets yesterday was an anomaly. Uh, Brait, I think, uh, as we mentioned, he'll be readily available. Uh, but beyond that, it just gets it just gets very very difficult because you know, like we talked about, it's just a crapshoot once you get past the top four to five tight ends on that. Just because the workload is just not guaranteed for any of those guys. Maybe Hayden Hurst if you're really desperate. I mean, because. Baltimore used him extensively in the preseason before he got hurt. I think they have big plans for him. He's a polished rookie. A lot of times you don't want these rookie tight ends, but uh, he wasn't really used in week five, so I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, look, the funny part is, uh, do I think the Baltimore offense could support a tight end? Absolutely. I just don't think they have settled on one yet. You know, it's kind of a rotating chair thing. I mean, they've got Max Williams there who is contributing. Uh, Hurst obviously has been hurt up to this point, which he could see some action soon. They've got Mark Andrews, who they also drafted. Um, you just don't know which one they're going to uh, kind of rely on from week to week. Nick Boyle as well has been used. You know, I mean, if they could settle on one, then I would name one of those guys as a low-end tight end one option. But until they do, you just can't trust any of them. I think that it's going to end up being uh, Hayden Hurst, but I mean, it's not like I'm expecting him to be a top 12 tight end, so I would not pick him up right now. Hey, let's move on over to the quarterback position, and if you need a streamer or if you need a long-term guy, I think Jameis Winston is the answer. He's still available in 80% of leagues going up against Atlanta. This is a guy who, when he was healthy, if you prorate his stats out to 16 games, 4,900 yards last year would have led the NFL, and he's available in 80% of leagues with all those weapons we talked about. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick was awesome in this offense. Winston's a lot better. Yeah, I I agree. And look, he, again, it's one of those, he's not a a championship winner, I think, for anyone, but with how available he is, uh, it's a great pickup. And look, fantasy-wise, he's been on that fringe quarterback one level every year he's been in the league. You know, Uh, that's just 
who he is. He's never going to be, in my estimation, a top five fantasy quarterback, but is he going to be a top 15 quarterback like clockwork? Yeah, he is. So yeah, if he's available and and you need either a backup or maybe uh, you have a quarterback that got injured or whatever, uh, yeah, I think he's a great option, and especially uh, because so many people, I think, forgot about him because of the suspension. Uh, I think he's a great pickup at this point in the season. I've got him in that tier with Andrew Luck, Jared Goff, Philip Rivers, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Wentz. I mean, those guys are all startable most weeks. If I was the manager, I would just stream one of those guys, whoever's the best one each week. Um, but if, if you're one of these guys who needs a quarterback right now, I think Winston is the answer. I wouldn't even really consider anyone else if Winston's available. Oh, I agree. And you alluded to it. It's the weapons he has now. It's the best he's ever had between, I mean, obviously Mike Evans is there. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, looks like, you know, the Deshaun Jackson of old. But look, Chris Godwin's really come on. And then they've got Howard when he does come back healthy. And then Cameron Bright. I mean, that's five legitimately good options that he has in the passing game, not even counting anything they get from the running game, if anything. Now, let's say you miss out on Jameis Winston. You need another streamer. I mean, which way do we go? Because it gets ugly really quick. Like, do we go down to Josh Allen, who's going to be running the ball? I mean, he always runs the ball, but it's against Houston. Eli Manning, do we trust him in the rain against Philly? I don't want to. Mitch Trubisky against Miami, he had one good game. Uh, Dak Prescott's going to Jacksonville. He's a no. Baker Mayfield's available in 60% of leagues, but against the Chargers pass rush. You know, if if those were my options, I think I'd still go Mayfield. I mean, I think he would give me the best shot. You know, a, a guy that probably isn't owned a lot. Joe Flacco's been pretty decent. Now, again, not a guy I think you should pick up and start every week, but for streaming purposes, he's averaging 300 yards a game. You know, and he's thrown multiple touchdowns in three out of the five games this season. Whoo, 55 attempts, 40, 42, 56. Flacco's throwing the ball a ton again. I mean, it's a lot of volume. Volume I don't think he's ever seen before. So, um, and look, uh, we're not quite sure the reason, but he's probably got his best group of receivers, at least from top to bottom that he's probably ever had. I mean, not to say that any of these are better than uh, receivers he's had in the past, but as far as depth goes, uh, between Crabtree, John Brown, and Willie Sneed, I think that's probably the best group of receivers he's had. So it's not a surprise that he's uh, able to put up some pretty decent numbers there. Not to mention, again, it's not like the Ravens, I think, are going to be very good this year. I think they're going to be in a lot of close games. They could be down a lot in some games. And I think they're going to be throwing it a lot, which I think is perfect uh, for Flacco and these streaming purposes. I, th- I think you're right. I think it's Flacco after Winston, even over Baker Mayfield for me. He's on pace for 726 attempts, 4,960 yards. Flacco could get 5,000 yards this season. Yeah, I I look, and he's done it all under the radar, too. People aren't realizing he's chucking it, you know. And, again, it's not like any one receiver is kind of taking that over, but he's kind of spreading it around. And, look, they're all contributing. Now, they may not be wide receiver ones or twos at this point, the exception being John Brown, but – Look, there, there's a good group of receivers there that is conducive to this. This is absolutely amazing. So he's on pace for 4,900 yards. He is eighth in the league in passing right now. Yeah, I believe it. And again, this team is not necessarily a, a Rams or a Chiefs where they're going to be out ahead a lot. They're going to be uh, either in contention in a lot of games or the very or, or down some, and they're going to be throwing it a lot. You know, and with their seemingly um, um, aversion to using Alex Collins in the running game. You know, it just makes sense that they're going to be throwing it a lot more. By the way, Blake Bortles has more passing yards than Patrick Mahomes. Did you know that? (laughs) (laughs) 
I didn't, and that's gross, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And again, that just even more so shows the disparity between real life and fantasy. With uh, with Leonard Fournette out, would you consider playing Blake Bortles again? Like, I know that it was ugly with the four interceptions, but he was the QB5 last week. Would you play him against Dallas? You know, for streaming purposes, I would. I mean, why not? You know, unless, you, unless you've got a sure thing like a Mahomes, a Rodgers, a Breeze— Why not? You know, I mean, there's a lot worse options, and especially uh, against that defense. I mean, the Cowboys, don't get me wrong, uh, have played decent at times, but they're they're definitely a kind of bend-not-break defense that will break at some point. I think so as well. All right, Michael, let's go on over to DST now, and then we'll give our buy-low, sell-high guys of the week. Um, Is there somebody that you're targeting right now who's available in most leagues? You know what? I, I I streamed the Cardinals this week, and I would probably go after them again. I mean, they made a lot of big plays this weekend. They've got some players. They do. Uh, and again, I think they're, uh, a lot of people thought their defense would be better through the, through the first couple weeks. They made some questionable personnel decisions. Like they first were starting um, Deion Buchanan, and then they weren't, and now they were again. And they've, you know, they've got Hassan Reddick, who is kind of the same thing. But look, they're making big plays. And look, they're in the NFC West. They scored a lot this week with San Francisco. They're going to play Seattle again at some point. Um, I, I think they can make some big plays, whether it's Buda Baker, who's just a monster in the secondary. Uh, Chandler Jones was racking up sacks yesterday, like the Chandler Jones of old. So uh, I would go after the Cardinals. I think that's a team that is probably going to be lightly owned because they're not quite as intimidating as they were before. But look, they are fully capable of making the big play there. I don't think they're the best week six play at Minnesota. With that said, Minnesota's pass rush or pass protection is not very good. I think Kirk Cousins is going to be on his toes all game. Arizona has 14 sacks already. I mean, if the over-under was at two and a half sacks for this game, I would take the over for Arizona. They've already forced nine turnovers. Five of them were this past week. But, I mean, this is a team with playmakers. And then they take on Denver at home. Case Keenum's a turnover machine. C.J. Beathard at home in Week 8. That's two decent matchups after Minnesota, and I think you can start them against Minnesota as well. Uh, They're not my favorite pickup. I would probably play Dallas at home against Jacksonville. Um, I would even play Cleveland, who's still 70% owned, even though they have a great defense at home against the Chargers. Uh, Phillip Rivers throws a lot of interceptions as well, so I don't think they're a bad play. But there's no like Tennessee Titans that you have to pick up this week. Right, right, yeah. And again, it's one of those where, kind of like tight ends, that once you get past maybe two or three of the elite options, it's kind of uh, it's kind of matchup dependent. Yep, that's right. Um, there's really no other streamers that I love this week. I mean, I guess you could get by with playing Oakland. They don't really have any pass rush, but their offensive line that they're going up against Seattle is dreadful. Ah, man, there's just, there's just absolutely nothing. I, you could play Indianapolis against Sam Darnold, who looked a lot better this week. I don't want to do that either. I guess if you need a streamer, you, you got to go Cleveland, uh, Arizona, Seattle, maybe against Oakland. It's, it's ugly guys. Yeah. And again, those elite defenses are probably going to be owned, whether it's the bears, you know, at the dolphins or, um, even the Texans at home against the bills. I mean, if those guys, if those teams are available, by all means, get them, but, uh, probably not. I, I I'd imagine they're probably pretty highly owned at this point. No, I'm looking at sell high guys right now, and I, I'm not going to use a quarterback. I feel like that's kind of a cop-out because if you can ever sell a quarterback besides Aaron Rodgers, I think you just got to do it because they're all so similar. Like the difference between my rest of the season number two, Cam Newton, and my rest of the season number 16, Carson Wentz, is minuscule. I would not feel very bad if Carson Wentz was my starting quarterback 
And I wouldn't feel that great if Cam Newton was my starting quarterback. So if you can sell any of these guys, if you've got two of the top 16 quarterbacks and can sell one of them, I would do it. Um, so do you have any other sell-high guys that you like, maybe a running back, wide receiver, tight end? Uh, you know, at this point, oh, it's hard, man. I mean, even for tight end, I mean, Jared Cook, I think, is an obvious choice, um, who I think is still going to be good the rest of the season. But I, I think... That's what I said last week, because he had four great matchups in the first four weeks. That's <laughs> right. not going to happen again. Well, and look, I, I just can't imagine him continuing to put up Gronk-level numbers on that. You know, And look, maybe you can get someone that is really enamored by that, or maybe had an injury themselves. Maybe they're an Ingram owner uh, or something like that. Uh, but other than that, I mean, maybe you could sell high Chris Carson, only because the, the kind of questions around the workload is going to be there uh, because he's put up good numbers when he plays. It's just, you don't know when he's going to play. So um, I, I would sell high on, on, you know, whether it's Carson, whether it's cook, uh, something like that, even a quarterback though. And again, this may be uh, too much, but if you do have, and we kind of touched on this before, if you've got two or three good options there, I can't really blame you if you sold one of the elite options, if you will, a Mahomes or Rogers for an elite running back or an elite receiver. You know, if somebody is really enamored by that and you need some help in that department, but you've got, you know, somebody as a backup, whether it's a luck, maybe uh, Andy Dalton's done well this season, something like that. I, you know, I really couldn't blame you if it got you a top three or top five running back or receiver in return. I would go a lot lower than that. I mean, obviously, I would try for that first. I don't think you're going to get it. But honestly, I would take Pat Mahomes for Corey Davis. Tags and I both said this three weeks ago, and it stands as is. I would definitely trade uh, Pat Mahomes for Corey Davis, and I would not even think twice about it. Uh, and I agree. I mean, it's one of those where, uh, depending on what your team makeup is, if you're really hurting at a position, you've got uh, a Mahomes, a Rodgers, a Breeze, something like that. It only makes sense because, look, as we touched on, you've got Jameis Winston, who is readily available, and you've got some other guys that if you had to, you could stream. But, um, yeah, if you're in that kind of position, and I've seen it happen uh, already, uh, I would definitely do it. I would sell high on James White, and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, I mean, that's kind of an obvious one, but I think a lot of people would say, why would you sell James White? And that's why, is because there's somebody out there like that second person who, why in the world would you sell James White? He just had eight receptions for 68 yards. He ran the ball eight times for 44. If Tags is on the podcast, I think he might be one of those guys. But I would gladly sell James White to Tags because they've got Josh Gordon, who's getting involved, Julian Edelman getting back involved. They've still got Chris Hogan. Sony Michelle's getting a huge workload, and every single week his yards per carry get better. I just don't see James White continually having this, you know, RB2 performance. I think he's someone you can play each week. But I think some people are going to think he's a top 15 rest of the season running back. No, he's not. They're going to pay you like that, and you should take it. Oh, completely. And yeah, I completely agree. I think now is the time to get out from under that, because like you said, uh, they've got Gordon coming on. Edelman, I think, is the big uh, X factor there. I mean, I think the Patriots really missed him. I think Tom Brady really missed him. And look, did he rely more on James White kind of uh, in that short to intermediate range? With Edelman out? Absolutely. But now that Edelman's there, look, he's going to be a target hog again. That's what he does. So uh, I look for James White to be, look, he's going to be no less than an RB3 or 4. But I agree. At top 15, uh, definitely not. Especially, uh, I think, as Michelle uh, gets more involved in the offense, gets more comfortable in the offense, I think you're going to see a lot more of him. My buy low guy right now is Doug Baldwin. Yeah, he only had one catch for what was it? I don't know, like 15 yards or something like <laughs> yeah. that. He just he just completely disappeared. And I guarantee you his owner was thinking, well, when Doug Baldwin comes, comes back, my season is going to be rescued. And now he's panicking. He's like, well, what do I do? Put Doug Baldwin on my bench? He didn't even get thrown to. 
guys, Doug Baldwin is going to be fine. Doug Baldwin is Doug Baldwin. He's going to eat when he's fully healthy. He's the only wide receiver on this team. You can say what you want about Tyler Lockett. I am not a believer. I think he's just kind of a, a fidget piece. I think Doug Baldwin is the clear-cut number one, and he's going to be awesome. As soon as he's healthy, he will be a top 12 rest of the season wide receiver for me, and I think you can buy him for, as if he's like a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three right now. That's a steal, guys. Oh, I agree. And again, it goes back to I don't know that there's that competition is just wide open there as far as receivers go. There's not anyone taking control of that job. You know, I mean, it would be a different scenario uh, to use as, as an example, like in Pittsburgh, where I think you could honestly say Juju Smith-Schuster is really good and would challenge Antonio Brown for kind of top dog status if Brown ever got injured or went away or whatever. That's not the case in Seattle. I agree. I don't think Tyler Lockett or anyone else is ever going to challenge Doug Baldwin uh, for the targets there. It's just not going to happen. So as long as Baldwin's there with the current crop of receivers, I agree. I think he's uh, I think he's going to be the top dog there for a while. All right, Michael, who's your buy low guy? You know, and again, I kind of alluded to it before. I know Alex Collins hasn't seen the, <laughs> the action so far, uh, but I still think he's really good. And look, I think he is going to be dirt cheap at this point. And look, uh, he's been very effective. It's just the volume is just not there. And I think that's a case where, kind of like last year, where he really came on more towards the end of the season, uh, I think that will happen again. I think he'll be more involved in the passing game than he has been. Um, and I think uh, there's nothing to take away that he's going to be the top running back necessarily. Uh, he may not have fulfilled the RB2 status that I think we hoped he would uh, preseason, but I still think he'll be a valuable piece. And again, super cheap that you can get right now. If Alex Collins can hold on to this job when Kenneth Dixon comes back, I think he's going to, but if he can, listen to this. Week 13, Atlanta. Week 14, Kansas City. Week 15, Tampa Bay. Week 16, Chargers, who have been lit up by the run as well. Four straight incredible matchups. Guys, Alex Collins is going to be, he's going to be on a lot of championship teams. Completely. And again, uh, he's so cheap right now. <laughs> I mean, he was cheap uh, to be drafted, but even after this first month, which admittedly he has struggled on, um, I think he can. Uh, I think he can do some good things there. Who would you rather have between him and like Devonte Freeman, Deion Lewis, Philip Lindsay? Is is Alex Collins your number one of that list? <sighs> no, I, I would still put Freeman there because I think he has that job locked up. But after that, he would definitely be my number two. The other guys, I'd just be concerned about consistency, quite honestly. Whereas I think. Collins has a lock on that job. He just needs to see more volume there. Yeah. All right, Michael. Well, that's all for today's show. Thank you for taking the time to come on. Always great to talk to you. Thanks. I appreciate it, man. And thanks to the sponsor of today's show, pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. Remember, we're giving away a signed Devontae Adams helmet from them. You can sign up for that at fantasypros.com slash contest. It takes about 30 seconds. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash contest. All right, everyone, we've got two more shows coming out this week. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on iTunes if you haven't already. That way you don't miss out on any episodes. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all slow.